Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in-depth discussions with world-leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejas Mehta. One of the things I also learned is you mentioned about having your employees share stuff on social media around the influencer campaigns. So is there a healthy part of employee advocacy as well happening? Yes, absolutely. So we utilize an employee social advocacy platform. It's something that I've done at all of my previous companies. And we use that as essentially a clearinghouse of sorts for all of our content that we're producing, all the content that even other teams produce, you know, whether it's upcoming webinars or say press releases or awards or anything that in a way has a landing page that makes sense for our employees to communicate. And we put in sample messaging for them, you know, a couple options for Twitter, something for LinkedIn. But we also encourage the employees to develop and utilize something of their own, right? Don't just click share. And now if you look in LinkedIn, you happen to be, you know, following only demand-based employees, everything looks the same. So, but we do provide them the social card, the article, if if there's a video, we put it all neatly packaged because at the end of the day, we're the ones that essentially know about every single piece of content that leaves the company into the public domain, just by the nature of what our team does and produces. So... No one else does. If you go onto the sales side of the house, maybe they know that there's an upcoming webinar because their boss is a guest speaker on it, or they were part of this uh, program or this ebook or whatever. They were a host on our podcast with a with one of their prospects. No one else knows everything, so we utilize the the platform to be able to just be a communications arm for them so they don't have to just go to our LinkedIn page every day or something. And also, frankly, not everything that the company publishes publicly is on our LinkedIn account in that example, because the le- we found through measurement, through tests, the less we publish, the higher our engagement is. So if we publish 10 things today as a company, we're only going to share two of them. The rest of that is going on our social advocacy platform because maybe for me as an employee, something in there, actually, I know will appeal to my audience. So we want to give them that option. Interesting. Makes a lot of sense. And what percentage of employees participate in this social advocacy program? Roughly? We the entire employee base has access to it, so about 950 employees or so uh, on a given day. I would say, actually, those that utilize it, we probably have 20 to 30 percent of our employees that actively use it. Without going and looking at the numbers on uh, right now, I, I think it's about 20 to 30 percent. That's pretty healthy, I would do. That's yeah. that's super healthy. Yeah, we we do a lot to try to drive engagement with the employee base. Awesome, that's a great job. One of the interesting things that you mentioned about was building communities online. Talk to me about that. Like, 
communities are all, are all over and people are like now, you know, talking about communities. Uh, Facebook is like promoting groups as well in feeds because it wants to kind of get into that community feel. Talk to me all about that. Sure. I One thing that we've seen in it, in it accelerated a lot during the pandemic, during when everything was really shut down and we were all trapped in our house, was this concept of private communities. They're nothing new. Again, Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, all the way back to AOL. You know, they are in Yahoo groups. None of this is new. We've all, we've always had an ability to have a watering hole for people to kind of privately congregate around something they cared about. But what we've seen increase now is a concept of either white label communities. So there's a lot of vendors like uh, Mighty Networks. That's a browser-based community that a brand can white label and obviously apply their brand into. But most frequently now you're seeing Slack or Discord. And at least on the B2B side, the majority of it is Slack. And that that's natural. Most of us live in Slack on a daily basis. And these communities are actually, many of them are companies. You know, uh, you have your brands like Pavilion and Rev Genius and some of these other ones that that is their company. They are a community. But other ones, ones like we run a community called Revenue Circle. That's an exclusive community for VPs and above and sales or marketing roles. That's something that we brand and we power. You know, that's what I like to consider it as basically we pay the bills to keep the house, the lights on and in to bring interesting people into the fold. But we power that community. We bring the resources to bear. But it is not a demand-based wares community, right? You will never see us pitch our product in there. We'll bring interest and resources. So if we've partnered with an organization to do some in-depth research that might be of help to community members, obviously we'll share that with them. Once again, because we've, we're powering that community with, with the use of uh, our resources, our funds, things, things like that. But you're seeing more of that. You're seeing, and everyone takes a different approach. Some people do approach it with sponsors, you know, still brand powered, but the community uses sponsors to help fund, you know, uh, virtual and in person events and to bring on guests and things of that nature. And others are just meant to be communities that help drive conversation around that specific topic. So, you know, for example, uh, Analytics for Marketers is a community of, as it stands, roughly 3,000 people. And that's run by uh, two of my friends, Christopher Penn and Katie Robert, who run a, a company called Trust Insights. And so it's their community for people to come talk about analytics and ask their questions. And, you know, if they have questions about, say, AI or, or any topic like that, there are broader conversations, but it's called analytics for marketers for a reason, right? You also have uh, one, for example, uh, Marketing AI Institute, which is a company that's run by a good friend of mine, Paul Rotzer. He has, and they have their own Slack community. Once again, you have a watering hole for those people in marketing roles 
that are curious or need help with AI and want to have that conversation. Mutual benefit for them because they run the, a company focused on it. They have a lot of resources to bring to bear for that. So there are a lot of different models when you look at brands that run their own communities. Slack, and I should say Slack-based communities in, in this kind of instance. But you also just have other communities that are either brands of to, of themselves, a pavilion of Rev Genius, what have you, or they're side projects by people that, you know, a couple of people have gotten together and said, hey, listen, we're really passionate about this. And therefore, we want to build the community around it. Interesting. For, for a company like DemandBase, uh, does the community also become like a great source of content? Like, are there any interesting conversations that kind of translate into content for DemandBase? Sure. We've asked and engaged our community members in things like writing blogs for us or being part of our podcast. We'll do more of that. But the reason why we do that is, once again, this concept of power in it or bringing our resources and capabilities. So, well, it's nice to, it's a benefit to them to be able to utilize our blog to help their thought leadership and help their voice. It's it's a two-way street. We gain more content, especially from a th- third-party source that's not just someone from our company spewing about some topic, right? But it helps give them another platform besides maybe their website, their, you know, their company or whatnot. So we definitely do that, but it's not to utilize our community members just to create content like almost unpaid employees right you know we're not using them for that but where we can provide our platform for them we absolutely do but i focus a lot of our time on helping to identify and secure relationships for virtual events that the community has asked for or has interest in. So for example, we just ran AMA with Ann Hanley a few days ago and every attendee was getting a copy of her book, her new book. Everybody writes the second edition of it. So that was us being able to bring some value to the community, leverage a relationship and also, you know, provide books. Then a lot of conversation around AI. So we're holding a session on AI. Um, personal branding and, and utilizing LinkedIn to you know maximize it. There was a lot of interest, a lot of conversation, a lot of asks within the community. So we're bringing an expert around that. So we try to you know do things that aren't in a silo of sorts, right? You know, kind of pose the question, throw it out there. If there's the right amount of feedback, then we we go and find the resource or go implement whatever that is because otherwise your community is not going to be responsive if you're just trying to push and shove what you think will be helpful to them or what will what you think will engage them makes a lot of sense so sounds like running communities a lot of lot of hard work requires a lot of moderation and constant give 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 
rather than ask, ask, yeah, ask. If you could, if you could see my to-do list, uh, nowadays, at least uh, 50 to 60% of it has to do with something I, I have, I need to do or catch up on within our community. The rest of it is admin influencer and whatever else happens they hit it for the day. But yes, there's a lot of work that goes into trying to manage and lead a community. Interesting. I also read that you're part of like more than 25 communities online, Slack communities. Yeah. Where do you get the time, man? How do you manage that? Well, it's part of my job so that I can always fall back on the, the fact that I need to spend time doing that. But, you know, and I mentioned this in the post that you're you're referring to, you know, we utilize the listening part uh, that's actually built into Slack. And it's it's a feature that... Every time I talk to people, most people don't know is is there, right? And it's it's simple. If you go into your preferences, you'll see it. There's a box where you can literally enter in keywords that you care to listen for, and you'll be notified. So that's how I'm able to scale myself across all those communities, right? As I said, I'm not active in 25, but I am engaged in 25 is the way I like to think of it because I'm not there, you know, in all 25 for an hour a day, you know, checking in on that and liking this and sharing that. I'm active in a few, in probably five or so, four, five, six. The 25 plus that I'm in, I engage or I find people to engage when something pops up on the radar that, you know, we want to be helpful with. So, like the example I was mentioning before of identifying a customer or customers that could comment on our behalf because someone has a question about the brand or the product, the solution, what have you. So by monitoring for that in a community that I'm not kind of actively engaged in every day, I might see a question pop up around demand base and intent data. And I can work with our customer marketing team to work with a customer that we know is active in that community to then go pick up on it. So this is a strategic use of your time in community and putting it to maximum efficiency. That's that's yeah. that's wonderful. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and put in those keywords to all my communities that I'm online on. So yeah, I love it. It is way. more helpful than than you realized. Wonderful. I'm gonna try that out. Tell me your views on the future of social media. Where are we heading? Is like TikTok eating Instagram's lunch or is TikTok getting banned by the Congress? What's happening? <laughs> I think that we'll, you know, we'll continue to see what happens with TikTok. It's, it's, you know, from a growth perspective, it's extremely fast grown. It has been, it's been on a hockey puck kind of up until the right. You know, we've seen it surpass kind of Google search and a lot of other things in such a short period of time for where people go to as a public social network and people grow large audiences really quickly, uh, both at the brand and individual level. It's not just solely at the individual level. But with TikTok, we do see government stepping in at different levels, mostly at state level right now. But, you know, it is in front of Congress and Congress has come out and stepped out, stepped up and banned it across uh, devices. The government has banned it across uh, federal devices. So where that will go, if I if I had to bet on it, I think, you know, we'll see the demise of TikTok sooner than later. 
simply because it will just see increasingly get banned, right? So do I think that Apple will ban the app from people using it? No, but you are seeing, for example, uh, because Texas banned it, banned it from all public uh, universities and uh, state you know, uh, places, I read somewhere is that the University of Texas, because they're a state institution, you know, banned it. So anyone that's on their network can't access it from their phone. So if you're used to just using their Wi-Fi, for example, you're a student or a faculty member, you know, you have to come off their Wi-Fi. I'm not saying that that makes it impossible to work to use it, but you're just starting, you'll start to notice these little differences. Will a not will a national brand start to say, nope, you know, in, in our stores, we, we don't want to take that risk. I don't know. You know, it, you don't yeah. know what's going to happen, but once typically, once you see the feds and, you know, state governments step in and start to say, you know, it's not safe for our networks. Eventually yeah. you have bigger, you have big players as companies that will step up and say, you know, yeah, we have 300,000 employees or something to worry about. And, we have a lot of trade secrets and things that can't get out on IP. So it'll still be around, but I won't, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the continual ban of it take place. That's let's wait and watch. Good. But overall, what do you think? Uh, where is social media going? Like from a content perspective, is it is video gonna rule like the future? Are we gonna go see some trends on AR, VR on social? Like where is general direction heading? Sure. I think that yes to video. So I'll, I'll preface it with that. Yes to video. And the stats continue to prove it. What will continue to increase, though, as part of video will be vertical video. And it's something that you're seeing across all networks right now. It's not, I know it's something that makes some friends of mine grumpy because they prefer horizontal video and it's kind of most natural form as something that, you know, most of us have grown up with and are used to. But when you look at what TikTok and Instagram have done, we're, we are used to watching videos now vertically. And if you see how, you know, the type of engagement that a LinkedIn video gets now when someone shares a vertical video, whether it's, you know, they took TikTok, the TikTok video, they stripped the logo off the watermark and they uploaded it, or, you know, they just, you know, recorded something off their phone uh, natively, you're seeing more engagement with vertical video. And I think it's just been what Instagram and TikTok has now trained us to do. It's, you know, you, you see these networks kind of train you, right? You know, like, oh, I, Never would have sat here and watched 40 videos back to back and lost an hour of my life. Oh, wait, that's TikTok. You know, it just ate up, you know, past hour and, you know, 30% of my battery. So, you know, I definitely think it's vertical video. Video will still be popular, will still be important, but I think it will be kind of specifically vertical video. Interesting. How about Meta? Like the VR world that they are trying to push? What do you think? Where's that going? In my opinion, nowhere. But um, I mean, that just, I mean, you know, I think that we've seen stories come out that even 
with them trying to force employees to use it internally, it's not working. Um, there hasn't been an adoption inside of Meta. So that will be hard, right? If you can't force your employee base to utilize it, and that's a technology you're investing in, certainly Oculus and some of these other tools that that are out there, you know, of course, Meta owns Oculus, but you know, for video gaming or some of that sort of stuff, it's already shown that it's that it's of interest and that's popular. You know, certainly Apple has down at, over at Apple Park, they have you know, some VR and AR stuff like uh, uh, that you can kind of almost see their campus with AR goggles on and stuff. I actually got to do that once, and it, it is a it's a really cool experience. But Meta. I just don't think, I think that they put their money in the wrong place and that took their eye off probably what they've been good at. I could be completely and utterly wrong, but that's fine. I I, I don't do things also like uh, crypto and NFTs and, and all of that stuff. I have a lot of friends that do. I, I like my money. So I've stayed away <laughs> from that. So <laughs> Interesting. Good to know. Some of the favorite people that you follow on social media? Yeah, I think that, you know, certainly some of the people that have continued to be consistent over the years, you know, folks like Ian Hanley and Jay Bear, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is obviously usually one of the the kind of big names that most people are are used to. You're starting to see more AI influencers or people developing influence. So Paul Rotzer is, again, like I said, probably one of the bigger names because he's been involved with this for years and Christopher Penn has been focusing on it. But then I think when you look at areas like LinkedIn, what we've started to see is this rise of the LinkedIn influencer that they have spent a lot of time developing influence on LinkedIn and developing their content and building their community and things. And so there you have people like Kyle Coleman, who's an SVP of marketing. Uh, you've, you have people like uh, Devin Reed, who who's uh, heads up content. Some people around those kind of circles, you know, if you start to follow some of those circles, you know, these different names come up. But those are the types of people like Kyle, you know, if you follow him and even Devin, uh, who now work together, I should say, they come from a sales background and kind of moved into marketing. So a lot of their stuff, they they reference, oh, when I was in sales or when I was in SDR, or when I led this organization. So it brings a, that sort of stuff brings a fresh perspective, I think, to marketing, to, you know, the lens that you can look at marketing through. Because say for me, I've never been on the sales side. So they bring that interest in type of content to bear. Pure marketing, like I said, the Ann Hanley's, the Jay Bears. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yep. All the Gar- Gary and all, the, all those folks. I mean, they've been doing it for 10, 15 plus years now. Yeah. Awesome. Your three favorite books. Marketing or otherwise, business, non-business, fiction, non-fiction? <laughs> so business-wise, I'll say Everybody Writes by Ann Hanley. It is, it's an encyclopedia. It really is. It's, it's one of those books. I mean, it, it's not called a 
kind of go-to guide as a subtitle for for any other reason i think people will try to you know put that on their books or you know your your all-in-one type thing for and it really is there's a reason why it's a wall street journal best-selling book uh limitless which is a book by another friend of mine laura gassner odding it's a small book but it's a quick read and it's packed with a lot of power behind it and let me think because I didn't know I was going to be asked this question. So now I'm, I'm looking around my office to see what's uh, what's around here. I would say probably uh, David Goggins' book. That's a, a really interesting book. So David Goggins wrote a book, a book called Can't Hurt Me. And he just has a really interesting life story. It's it's a, his autobiography he talks about, you know, going into the Navy SEALs and, you know, he went from Navy SEALs to some other uh, special forces units. He's done now he's like an ultra marathoner and broken all sorts of crazy records for like most pull-ups in 24 hours, <laughs> things of that nature. It's just a, a different mindset of an individual. So if I had to pick three, I'd probably say those are at least the three that come top of mind the quickest. Interesting. Good to know. Justin, where can people find you online? Where can people follow you? Absolutely. It's it's pretty simple. Justin Levy, J-U-S-T-I-N-L-E-V as in Victor Y, everywhere. It's always the, the fastest and the easiest way when you can secure your name across all, all social networks. Yeah, even on TikTok? Like, do we see yes. Justin dancing? <laughs> okay yeah One no book. you will not see me dancing but yeah it's the it's justin let me cross everywhere got it thank you so much justin really appreciate you hopping on the podcast a uh, lot of things to learn i love the influencer campaigns that you kind of talked about so i'm going to dig into it deeper and uh, dissect it for myself but thank you so much really appreciate it thank you for having me The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot, Thanks for listening.